to a bonus edition of the Redraft Podcast with me, Will Stevenson, and... Me, Romina Ramos, hello. Hello, it's weird, we're with you on a Wednesday, twice in a row, you lucky lot. Lucky, um, lucky people. We figured we'd turn out, uh, do a little bit of a Q&A session, seeing as we've been going for a few weeks now, um, and it's been a while since we first got acquainted with you, so a little uh, Q&A, so thank you for everyone for sending in questions via socials. Um, we're going to run through them, we're going to alternate. I'm going to ask Ro a question, Ro's going to ask me a question, and then we'll both see if we've got any answers. Um, um, yeah, let's get on with it, shall we? Yes, some really interesting questions here, so I'm excited. Let's go. I am going to kick things off, and I am going to ask Will a question by Fiona Hutchins. Mm. Um, she sent us two great questions, uh, and the first one is... What do you think is the biggest obstacle to underrepresented poets reaching a wider audience? It's a great question. Um, I think there's different answers for page and performance. Yes. I think performance, um, you've been combating with the, the creation of Nata. Um, Nights often being centralised in city centres or just outside of. Um, you know, I'm guilty of that. My night, Switchblade is in Manchester City Centre, um, which is because that's where we live when we set it up and it's made sense. But I can imagine if you are in a smaller community and, you know, a commute about town or something like that, that's that's going to be a real barrier, a financial barrier to get into places, having to stay overnight or get the last train back or having to leave early. Um, you know, we found that already beginning to put a bit of a strain on finances sometimes uh, after moving to Bolton, having to get a taxi back or or, or leave early. Um, Paige, oof, it's a big question, isn't it? Like, It's it's a big one. It, it, it depends how you define underrepresented, I suppose. Um, I think there's a lot of presses doing great work uh, with free submissions um, and and removing that that need for previous publication um, from from their criteria. Um, I don't know, what do you think? Um, yeah, I think on your first point, I completely agree. Um, I think Natter is bridging a, bridging a gap there. Like I had a lady, the last Natter, mm. who lives in mm. Charlie, which is a little small town just outside of Bolton as well. Mm. Um, and she was so grateful to have found Natter because she had nothing around like that. She had to travel quite far. So that's yeah. definitely something. I think for the page... It's a difficult one. I think probably the biggest one is, is I think there is, there are lots of indie presses out there, but I think mm-hmm. I think like traditional publishing is still unattainable for a mm. lot of people. There are lots of indie presses mm. doing great things, uh, of course, but um, I think publishing on on a, on a, as a whole, traditional publishing is still very because it's still very it's attainable to a lot of people and i think that's just also due to the sheer amount of writing coming out of yeah, places of especially a, a city like manchester is absolutely bubbling with creativity isn't it and it's mm-hmm. and it's it's oversaturated with writers and, is, and creative people and even the smaller presses that are trying to um give opportunities to these people can't to everyone 
can can publish everyone. There's also the idea of the, the traditional press be still being a very like southern thing and London based, and that's exclusionary to people who can't necessarily travel um, to meetings or to become known in that part of the country. Networking events and things like that. Like I definitely, for both of us, wouldn't say that. You know, I'm. I think we're both known within the Manchester circuit, maybe within the Northwest circuit, but that's a tiny part of a tiny country. Yeah. And you know, nobody in London's going to know my name. Absolutely. Definitely not. I agree. I agree. Um, but with, to me, is, I don't mean you. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no I agree. But it's true for both, and it, but it's perspective, isn't it? And and figuring out what's the best next move for you for your writing. I was looking this morning um, at what I'm going to do with a small collection that I'm writing at the moment, um, and it, I sort of think that a smaller DIY run is the way I want to take it. Um, and there's lots of small presses that are like facilitating that. And I think the part of the reason for that is because I want it to exist in like a limited form yeah. Um, and trying to find somewhere that aligns with your vision for what the work is, is really important as well, rather than just sort of accepting things as they come to you, I guess. Yeah. Bro, thanks Fiona. We've got another one from her. Uh, I'm going to ask you, do you ever have to deal with negative responses to your work? She says it online, but I'm going to broaden it out and say, do you ever have to broad, uh, deal with negative responses to your work full stop? Um, this is a good one. Mm. Uh, so before I started uh, on the Manchester scene, um, I'm doing uh, quote unquote. Mm. Um, I ran a, a small Instagram account dedicated to poetry. I did that throughout uni. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still there. Yeah. I can't. I, I can't. I don't. I don't know how to bloody activate it. Uh, it's still <laughs> there. It's like it's called working class poetry or working class poet yeah. or something like that. Um, because at the time I, because at the time I was scared to put it out under so my anonymous. name. Yeah, it's anonymous. Yeah. Uh, well, you know now it's me. Haha. But um, <laughs> uh, exclusive. Uh, no, but um, yeah, I was scared of putting it out under my name because at this point I was just a student. I'd never performed in real life mm. myself or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I got I got quite a bit of but I got got a bit as a negative uh, feedback there in that space. Mm. Um, and I think that had a lot to do with the fact that I was um, anonymous and people didn't know. That's interesting. What do you mean by like ne like comments? Yeah, comments on like posts and stuff. Uh, mm. But I'm not saying the poetry I was putting out there was any good because I was I was mm. in my very very early stages of being a writer, being a a, a poet. Mm. Um, but I've had to deal with it, and it's it's very uh, disheartening. It can be very disheartening. Mm. Um, especially to someone who's starting out and you know is new in in this in this sort of uh, industry, let's call it. Um, but I've been quite lucky that I've never had that face to face. I'm not saying it doesn't happen after I leave a gig. It might do. Um, as we spoke in our um, last episode with Ben Wilkinson, uh, we have to be aware that and accept the fact that not everyone's going to engage with our work, mm -hmm. you know, not, we're not everyone's cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, if we all like the same music, if we all watch the same films, if we all like the same food, the world would be a very dull place. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely fine. I think the, the, the message here is that you have to learn how to accept that. And it's not easy, obviously, you know, as writers and creatives, we are, we all have a sort of imposter syndrome that's lurking around anytime we create anything, whether it be a poem or a piece of music or whatever it may be. Mm. 
are people going to like this? If they don't like it, does it mean I'm crap? And it doesn't. It doesn't mean you're crap. It just means that that person doesn't like it and that's fine. They'll like someone else's and, and, and someone else will like yours and, and it's fine. So, yeah, I've experienced that mainly online, only online. It is disheartening, but we have to learn how to combat that, I suppose, in our own brains. How, how have you found that? Have you had experience with that? Um, certainly not in person. In person, the worst I think you get is, like, indifference, which which I'd almost rather someone go out, I, I hated that, and tell me why. But you, you turn up and you perform something that, that you think is good and perhaps has gone down well in another space, and then you, it's like... You know the sort of you know, when you have to give it a beat and go, oh yeah, that's the end, rather than the, rather than you finishing on a strong line and the applause coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's bad. That's yeah. bad. That hurts. Yeah. You oh, didn't even know it's finished. Maybe that end is not strong enough. But then you can take that and rework it. And you made me realise as well that I guess I have had negative feedback on music um, from the pupils that I taught when they found it. But I'm pretty sure that was just trolling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think just quickly on that, it's also about. Which it's, 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 it isn't an easy thing to do or to know always, mm. but mm. it's also about figuring out your audience um, yeah. and, and who you're going to perform for and what you're going to read and, and preparing uh, ahead of that. Because imagine last year we did SIA, so we performed in, uh, or before that we performed there as well with the Northern mm. Poets Society at uh, uh, Clitheroe Castle. Mm. So you think to yourself, okay, what kind of town is Clitheroe? What kind of people are going to be there? It's castle mm. grounds. What kind of people are going to be walking around and might stop and listen to your poetry? All right, so are you going to adjust your set list to that? You should adjust mm. your set list to that. Or are you going to do a workshop in high school and you're going to be surrounded by your 11s, 16, 14, 15, 16-year-olds? Are you going to adjust your set list to that? I think that has a little bit to play in that as well, um, knowing your audience for sure, yeah. I completely agree with that. Amazing. Next question? Yes. So next question is by our podcasting pals over at Poetry to Your Ears. Mm. Uh, check them out as well. So we've got three questions from them. First question, who does the editing and how did you learn how to do it? Me. That's I all you. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you think it sounds all right. Um, it is a process where you learn as you go. Um I was lucky to to learn the basics of it when I did journalism at the University of Salford um, and then working on working, volunteering on Shock Radio, the student run radio station that they have there. Um, that is something that I've been doing for like a long time now. What's that? Seven years, eight years, whatever it is. Um, and just it's I think it's listening to a lot of podcasts um helps refine your ear refine the kind of vibe that the show you're trying to go for is is it a magazine style show is it just a conversation how much um editing do you need to do do you want to cut the pauses do you want to leave them in and then keeping that identity consistent i just use i use GarageBand to do the initial cuts and then i use audacity to mix and master it um and it's a lot of the time, I think each of these episodes is improving as well. We're quite ad hoc in the way that we record. Sometimes it will be via Zoom. Sometimes it will be um, in person. We've got a setup where it's, we've both got a audio interface um, plugged into a laptop with two microphones. I'm using an SM58 microphone and Ramina is using a, my old one, which is Samsung Q2U. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so... Decent microphones, decent interfaces, mine's focus right. 
Yours is Behringer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mine is Behringer, yeah. And yeah, just making sure that like I'm often micro producing as we're going along as well, telling the guests to like hold the microphone closer to their mouth, etc. Trying to make sure that everyone knows what they're doing when it comes to like microphone presence, exporting the audio properly. But when we work with a variety of different guests, some people are more really au fait with that and some people need a bit of practice, a bit of coaching, but everyone's been great so far. So thank you. I think it sounds all right. Yeah, just on that quickly, Will does all the work um, and the jingles, everything. It's it's all mm. it's all him. I'm really grateful to have a co-host that does all that uh, sort of stuff. But I do want to learn. It's just about having time to sit down together and and learn these things. But um, as he's a teacher, he's going to be teaching me uh, at some point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the moment, it's all down to Will. So yeah, thanks for that question. Why are you focusing the show on redrafting poetry to your ears? Ask. Okay, so again, I'll be very honest here. Uh, the concept came from Will's brain, you know. We needed, we needed a concept that wasn't like anything else. Um, and when you pitched that to me, I thought it's fantastic because I am a big redrafter. Uh, I'm a big editor. I can't stop. I can't leave work alone. I find it very difficult. Um, and I think it's a, f a really fascinating thing to talk about. And it's been really, really great to hear everyone so far the different takes on it even mine and yours are quite different from each other and then all our guests have something quite different an answer quite a different answer to that um but yeah it's it's because we needed a concept that no one else was doing um and and that's why and it's it's a good one and people it gives, have been, the, it gives the discussion a little bit of focus yeah. as well so you're not meandering around I yeah think, because we're, we're a podcast about basically. the process aren't we we're a mm -hmm. podcast about we're not a poetry podcast we're a podcast mm -hmm. about by writers for writers and and the process redrafting editing is a big part of the process uh, for a lot of people not for everyone but for a lot of people and yeah it gives us a focus and people have been really uh, accepting of it as well mm. So Not the so. next question by Poetry to Your Ears to us <laughs> is, who are you excited to have on your show in the future? Absolutely. Um, so I'm, uh, there's, a, there's a question later on about who's your dream guest. So I'm going to take this as people that we've confirmed so far. Yeah. Um, and say Sherelle Ann. Um, yes. A bit of an exclusive. She's upcoming. We've not recorded it yet. But Sherelle is one half of the poetry place. One third now of one the poetry third, place. Yes. Um, the mastermind behind um, Sensually poetry um or essentially spoken word and just an absolute genius of a writer and performer oh, so i'm Tyrell. really excited to pick her yeah. brains Tyrell is a queen she is such a mesmerizing performer i'll never mm. forget the first time i listened to her it was that poem she has i fall mm. oh god yeah she is incredible i'm so so looking forward to chatting her ears off and picking her brain 100 percent Anyone else come to mind? Um, I I am actually really keen as well to um, chat to Soph Galossian, who's coming up, mm. um, who's coming up in the next couple of weeks as well, because um, she writes. She does something I wish I could do, and I really admire mm. in writers. Uh, Brogan does something similar, but she tackles these really important themes queerness growing up working class but intervene interwined with comedy and she mm. does it effortlessly so well um and also she's got a new book out no worries if not 
that book, like, she performed a bit out of it on a head, uh, headliner set of a Bose. And like Henry Normal, she went, we went from giggles to like, oh, fuck my heart, my feels, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I have a lot of respect for people who can do that like really well, because I'm not a funny person. I mean, I'm not a funny writer. Uh, probably not a funny person either, if you're going to be honest, but I'm not a funny writer at all. <laughs> I'm not good at comedy. Like I'm good at hitting you in the feels, um, and that's what I usually do. So um, I admire people that can do both really, really easily side by side. Do you know what? That leads on to the next question really nicely. Um, so from Caleb Stapps, big up Caleb, big time um, Switchblade supporter and yes. great poet, um, asks, if you could swap performance styles with another poet for one gig, who would it be and why? So important to note, performance styles, not content and not writing, performance styles. I've thought about this uh, mm. throughout the day today. I know my answer. It might be a bit cringy. Uh, well, people might find it because you're my co-host, but I'm going to say you because... Ah, come on. No, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. I admire... I said this to Mika before. Like, I admire so much the way you host Switchblade. Like, you come out there with so much energy... Um, and, and, and I'm saying hosting, but I'm, I'm talking about performance mm. style as well. Like you, you just get the room started. Mm. And I don't know why, that's why you always come on, come out first or what. I feel like Mickey needs a little bit to like warm up to. She's excellent as well. I'm not taking anything mm. away from Mickey, but yeah, I feel like you just like have this stage presence and this confidence about your performance. Um, that I, I envy, yeah. I feel like I'm still at the stage where I'm like hiding, hiding behind the mic, <laughs> you know, holding on to the mic stand for dear life, dear um, life. reading off my phone still as well. And you, you do a lot of stuff off the back of your head, which is amazing. But no, honestly, mate, I, you, your performance style, uh, yeah, that's something I envy. Uh, I don't know if envy is the right word, but I definitely admire, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's there's room for a multitude, isn't there? Like, that's not always the right thing at the right time. Yeah. Um, And I've struggled with doing that, like, at Natter before, for example, when you come on and it's like, yeah! And the crowd's going, I'm just having a coffee, mate. Like, (laughs) we we chill out, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's great. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely, yeah. People like you... Um, like lol, like people who just mm. come out and just like, and and again, if we're not talking about the content and we're just purely talking about coming mm. out and the energy, yeah, I, I really invite, in, envy that because it's, uh, I feel like I'm still like a little nervous ball sometimes and mm. and I need to be more like that. So I, I, I aspire to be like that in the future. I think, that's a, thank you, that's a nice answer. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, mine would be moving well, there's two people, one in terms of poetry and one in terms of broadening that out. Um, Kevin um, Gil- Gilday um, is an incredible performer and I think that he takes the sort of thing that I do and just perfects it. Um, he's a master of a room. But that that whole thing is rooted in confidence in your work and in yourself as a performer. But someone outside of poetry who does that incredibly um and i need to get better at this in time for the stage show in, is trusting the work which um james acaster does incredibly well in that having the confidence to like let something sit and come back to it and to know that it's there and to trust your audience that they're on side with you and that it doesn't have to be like an immediate reaction and laugh and snap or whatever it is that you can just put something on the table, they can consider it, and then you can come back to it later on, loop right round, and they will get it and it will go with you, I think is a really, really amazing 
um, skill that I'm yet to master. So that's, yeah, they're my two answers, Kevin Gilgaday and uh, James A. Costa. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Now to one a little bit sillier, and that's from me <laughs> to you, and I want to know how you make your coffee at home. Do you put your milk in first? Do you put your water in first? Uh, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> that's amazing questions. Um, I would, so I've got two answers, which is that if I'm having a black coffee, I will do it in a um, cafetiere, nice. um, just a cheap Tesco cafetiere or whatever. It's just with, with the black dome and stuff. And I will use whatever crushed beans are on sale. I like fancy coffee, but I'm not enough to pay for it regularly. <laughs> Although um, the Wu-Tang, uh, Wu Brutang clan in Salford did an amazing roast um, that I had a couple of years ago and I'd keep meaning to go back and get some more. That's an amazing, like dark roast. It was really nice. Um, otherwise, um, if I'm having milk in my coffee at home, it will be frothed. It will always be frothed in our Nespresso milk frother and I will just put that in on top and make a passable latte. Mm. I'm terrible at art though. Very a couple nice. of years ago, Michaela made me, got me like a, a coffee art book thing and I just can't do it. And I don't, I'm going to blame the fact that it's like alternative milks. I'm going to say that's why I can't do the, the <laughs> latte art, but I think it's because my hand's not stable. It's enough. not an easy feat to do, to do. <laughs> like I've still not mastered it and I've been, I've worked in, in coffee shops for a while. I, I, I can do stuff by accident, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's very difficult. I can't make you any swans or anything. Like when, <laughs> it, when it like happens to turn out, I'm like, that looks like something. Take a photo. <laughs> yeah. Pretend I did yeah. it. I didn't. I know some tricks that you can do with the spoon afterwards that make it look like you've done stuff but um it's it's difficult to do it on a free pour it's not easy whenever you whenever you're having a coffee out yes you you spoon it around you mix it about you don't just let it float on the top no because the reason why i my coffee of choice when i'm out is a macchiato like at home yeah. i mainly drink tea um um but nat did get me a, a coffee machine for christmas with a little milk frother on the side so mm. that's great um so i do that at home every now and then now but um, I tend to drink tea at home. When I'm out, I drink a macchiato. If you don't know what that is, it's an espresso shot with topped up with foam. Not milk. I don't like milk in it. But the foam yeah. it just takes the sharpness of the coffee out for me. Uh, okay. So that's why I mix it in. It just lets it down a little bit, but it doesn't yeah, make yeah, it milky. Yeah. It's still strong, but it just takes the sharpness out a little bit. Um, yeah, that's why I do there it. There you go. <laughs> Learning from the barista. Yes, Amazing. yes. Lisa O'Hare asks, who is your dream podcast guest, dead or alive? Which is an amazing question. It is. And for me, after this week or last week, uh, it is undeniably Kay Tempest. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I'm going to piggyback on that and say me too. But I'm also going to add my own answer, which I've I've talked to you about previously. Um, Lucy Dacus yes. of Solo Fame and Boy Genius. Um I just love to pick her brain about lyric writing. I think that if you break down every single track on um, home video, um, but particularly thumbs, they, they are just works of art and they are poetry, much in the same way that like early Dylan material is. And I'd love to talk to her about the poetry versus writing music process. And yeah, just incredible musician. I have actually started listening to that album that you oh, long you long last yeah that you uh, <laughs> recommended and I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing I enjoyed it but mm -hmm. I fell asleep 
<laughs> maybe I wasn't listening to the lyrics. Well, she's maybe never coming was, on now. Maybe, no, no, but I'm saying it's the melody. I think it's just yeah, like yeah, yeah. lullabied me and, you know, mellowed me out kind of thing. Because it's, yeah, it's, very it's really soft, isn't it? It's very soothing. But I, I, I loved what I heard, 100%. Like, even yeah. the tone of her voice is like so silky and... Um, Silky's the right word. And so do you know silky, what? One of, yeah. one of the greatest live performances I've ever seen as well it was... Was it last year or a year before at Gorilla? And I swear to God, it sounded like they were just playing the CD. It was incredible. Like, I, I've seen a lot of live music over the years, a lot, a lot. But it's rare that you see a band and they sound the same live as they do on record. I thought it was amazing. So, Interesting, yeah, Lucy yeah. Dacus for me. Absolutely. Let's get her on. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got a question from Tony Potts. Um, who asks, will we, you, we, be attending <laughs> the new Poetry Night in Presswich called Talking Wallop? And that's hosted by himself. Um, Good bit of PR, that. Well, a little bit of PR, yes. A question, but also a promotion. Love it. Um, yeah, I'd like to get down to that. I love, I love uh, going down to new nights and seeing what uh, they're doing and, and who's, who's they got on and stuff. So, 100%. It's... That was for you, though. I'm sorry. Will I jumped have... in there. <laughs> no, that's fine. It it will have... No, it won't. It Will it have been by the time this comes out? It is the Tuesday the 16th. Oh, is it? So... So it will have it will have been last night. So yeah. either we were there or we weren't. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely get down in the future, I think, for both of us. Yeah, I can't if promise I'll be there time. on that very first inaugural, inaugural one, but we'll definitely check it out for sure. 100%. And big up again to Pressweights just outside of Manchester, like putting on events that are bit more close to home some people yeah um seeing some new people that's always good and uh and you know what headliners as well yeah exactly i was just gonna say that big up tony for getting excellent headliners to start with hello editing will here just dropping in to uh introduce the patreon segment i'm gonna peck your heads normally we put this at the end of the episode but uh given it's just us rattling on i figured we'd drop it right here in the middle hope you're enjoying your q a with me and ramina so far We'll be back with you in just under 60 seconds after we advertise our Patreon. Editing Will, out. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Redraft Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat, you can help support us over on Patreon. We have three tiers of Patreon support available from three to eight pounds per month. Tier one is the Big Biro tier in that you receive a shout out in the episode after you join access to all of our planning documents and you can join an exclusive Instagram group chat with other writers to share notes, tips, feedback and more. In tier two, the Fountain Pen tier, you get all of that plus pre-sale to any upcoming live events that we've got going on and you get to interact with our guests directly by emailing in questions in advance. And in tier three, you get the typewriter tier, includes all the previous benefits, plus a free art print from Printer Poet, commission your own poem from us once a year, and you also get feedback on a single piece of writing, and that's once a month. And of course, you can also support us for free by following, subscribing, and dropping us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice. And we are really grateful for any level of support that you can offer. We know it's a tough old world out there for everyone at the minute, so... Thank you very much. And if you can't support us in that way, you can always just share us with your friends, tell the world about us, put us on your stories and give us five stars. We'll be back every Monday with a brand new episode of the Redraft Podcast for your listening pleasure. Uh, oh, it's my turn. Next question. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. 
Stuart Beveridge asks, did you ask Kay Tempest to do the Redraft podcast when you met them the other night? Oh, I'm afraid I didn't. Uh, I was fangirling a little bit too much and worrying yeah. about whether they remembered wishing me a happy 30th birthday two years ago. Um, yeah. So I didn't. Um, I wish I had. And as I mentioned before, they are my dream guests. So maybe who knows in the future, if we get a little bit bigger, they'd come on. I'm sure they would. <laughs> um, next up, we have a question from our pal Katie Davis. Mm -hmm. uh, and she wants to know, actually, what, what does Will teach? Uh, physics and maths. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, no, I, I, I've got a really interesting job description now. Um, I've recently just started working as a teacher of reading. Mm. Um, I've been an English teacher. I've taught um, media and film as well. But at the minute, I am a teacher of reading. So um, interventions and small groups and uh, literacy, uh, which is which is really exciting. Um, and it's good fun so far. So. Yeah, it's it's fun. I I do like my day job, um, most of the time. <laughs> Amazing. Not everyone gets to say that, so you know. Yes, yeah, several four questions um, from my partner Michaela. So let's go through them. Um, she should know the answer to number two. Um, <laughs> when did you realize that you wanted to be a writer? Um. Ooh, I realized I wanted to be a writer. Um in the summer of 2020 no 2016 wow very 2016 specific. yeah um yeah as people here know my story as some people here might know my story from my episode if you caught that uh, i was a chef for 10 years uh, at the end of which i decided to finally pursue my dream um well at the end of each i realized well, so that's that my what dream I'm at. yeah so you'd never you'd not thought about it before no 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 i never thought I never saw, up until that point, of ever taking mm -hmm. it seriously. I never saw myself as a writer. I mm. remember I have, I'm not sure what it is right now, but I do have a notebook that my mum gifted me um, just before I had this realisation, actually, which is funny mm. how the world works, but... <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Uh, my mum gifted me this notebook and she inscribed something on it that not many people do anymore. It's a big thing in Portugal that, you know, if you gift someone a book, you always inscribe something on it. So yeah. you'll write, you mean like just with a pen? You're just writing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, yeah. a dedication okay. or whatever. Like oh, everyone sweet. in Portugal okay. does that. I, all the books that I have in Portuguese that have been gifted to me in my childhood, I've, I've little dedications to them, mm. on them to me, which I think yeah. is nice. It's a lost yeah. art. But anyway, so yeah, my mum gave me this notebook and she said, um, I hope this will make you realise that you are a writer because that's what you are. You are a writer or something like that. Mm. Um, and it just came before I applied and I made the decision. I was like, oh, God, you know what? I do wow. want to do this. Uh, I'd been writing quite a lot recently at that point, but not really realizing that that's what I was doing. I was just yeah. like getting my emotions out onto the page, out of myself mainly. And then they ended up on the page. And then, yeah, I had this realization at my mum's graduation that I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to do this. I want, <laughs> I want to do this. I'm going to pursue this. So, yeah, that was that was like July 2016. What about you? Um. It depends how you define writer, I guess. I've always been interested in writing and the craft of it um, in, in all of its forms. Um, I used to love like UK British comedy, like Red Dwarf and Only Fools and Horses and stuff. And, and the writing in that was something that I particularly appreciated. Then music obviously was a huge part of it. Um, but it was never something where I was like, I'm going to write a song. It was like cover bands and stuff. 
And then I guess it was around the time of journalism. I think we touch on this a bit in my episode as well. Like in the yes. college, we had a like new writing thing and I was doing the creative writing A-level. So clearly at some point there, that had come into my head. Um, and yeah, I think getting published, published, but you know what I mean? Like in the little end of year review thing that they did, I was like, oh, that's nice. That's a nice sensation. I'm going to chase that feeling. Yeah, lovely. Uh, number two from Michaela, we have, what's your favourite foods? <laughs> she should know this. She'll know this for you, but tell tell the people, the people want to Tell know. the people. Um, chili. But like a proper chili, not just like a chili con carne out of a bucket, like a proper chili. Um, with like kidney beans and portobello mushrooms and properly nice fried onions and tofu and all sorts of stuff. There's an amazing, if you ever find yourself in Manchester or Liverpool or somewhere else, there's uh, a, a Bondabos, the Indian restaurant that does vegan and veggie food. They do an amazing like chilli um, curry dish thing and it's got chickpeas in and it's oh, so, so nice and kidney beans. Um, pancakes, I love pancakes. I can never be bothered to make them, but I love pancakes. Um, bu- 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 bum. What else do I like? I don't know. I find this question really hard to actually like answer when it comes to comes to my mind. What's yours? Uh, mine is seafood. I think that's is it? Yeah. yeah. When I'm on my happiest, I'm eating seafood. Um, mm. Yeah, definitely. There's this place in we found this place in Manchester just off Deansgate, and I think they're dotted around the country. To be fair, um, called Jimmy's Killer Prawns. Oh mm. my god, it's the closest thing to Portuguese seafood I've ever eaten in my life. Um, wow. We went there for my brother's birthday last year, and ever since, we're just like, oh. Uh, we went there before K Tempest, actually. We went there for my birthday as well this year. But yeah, we've been a few times. It's just, uh, it's incredible. I love Well, that's, I that's what it. I was going to say. Like, it, 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 is it hard to find something that's the same? Yeah, you sh- yeah, 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 yeah. Seafood's not easy um, because it's, it's best when it's fresh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. I eat so much of it when I go to Portugal in the summer because my, my town where I'm from is like known for mm. its fish. It's a fishing town. Um, and you literally, like my poem, it is very true. The mm. fishermen will go out and catch it in, at 5am and by midday you can get, a, you can literally get mm. a sea bream or you can get, you know, sardines that were fished that very morning. They're on your plate. They're the freshest, freshest, freshest things. Um but again, yeah, so it's not easy. But England does do f- seafood well in its coastal towns. Even Ireland, I've mm. been, I've had really good seafood in Ireland in the coastal towns, like where it's there's a beach and there's a restaurant right at the top. And yeah, it's not Bolton. Yeah, is it? it's not Bolton, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, Jimmy's Killer Prawns in Manchester, but so good. Uh, We're so never be quite going to get you on that on that vegan. No, but we? you know what? Can I just Too say? Uh, I know it wasn't a chili, but. Um, the 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 Mexican chili thing that you made for us oh, at your yeah, house yeah, yeah. was divine. It was really oh, wow, really that's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really really good. Um, you know what? I I happily. I, I mean, I probably couldn't afford to eat vegan all the time, but <laughs> the vegan curry Nat made for you guys here at our house Too not good. long ago was unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. was so good, and I really enjoyed the the, the Mexican vegan feast you made for us. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be doing that again at various points. So I'm I'm happy to eat it. And shout out to What the Pitter as well. We I dragged you there, and that was good, man. <laughs> yeah, really good, really good. Uh, <laughs> vegan gyros and and Greek food, absolutely mm. stunning. 
Um, what is, next question from Mickey, what is your favorite thing about your own poetry nights? And I want to inverse that as well. I want to say your favorite thing about Nata and then your favorite thing about Switchblade. And then yeah, of I'll course. Do that as well. um, right, I'll go with Nata first. So my favorite thing about Nata is, my favorite, I'll say that the, my favorite thing about Nata is the fact that it's in a cafe. Mm -hmm. It's a non-alcoholic venue. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is my favorite thing because it invites a different type of people, a different type of crowd, um, that maybe wouldn't go like we've had. We've had uh, Carol Forrester that brought her eighteen year, eighteen month old baby because she didn't have a babysitter, and that meant that she didn't have to miss the night. She could still come. We've had, we have Emma who brings a fourteen year old daughter all the time, which is amazing because kids should be coming to these nights and should be experiencing arts and culture um and you know what it makes it an early evening an early finish <laughs> yeah, and we yeah, get yeah, to yeah. have a really good time and still be on by nine o'clock so that's my favorite thing about Nata. my favorite thing about switchblade is of course the switchblade the switch part yeah. because as we mentioned in i believe brogan's episode there's something really special about having your words brought to life by someone else mm -hmm. it's like out of body experience you're sat in the crowd and you're watching someone else up there who hasn't read it before, maybe never even encountered it before in some cases, um, and they bring your words to life and you, you get to experience that in a way that you don't really get to do anywhere else. So yeah, that's that, that will always remain my favourite thing about Switchblade. Yes, we love a gimmick, man. Um, my favourite thing about Nata is hanging out with your mum. I love that. Uh, it's up. It's up there. It's up there. No, it's <laughs> I. I think the same. It's that relaxed, genteel, like very welcoming atmosphere, um, where you just just can sit down and talk to anyone in that room, which is which is really nice. And the big windows as well, I think, are very. Um, it's good for the summer evenings that are coming. Scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And about Switchblade. It's just the, it, it's kind of the same answer, but it's like that community and it's a different sort of community, I think. Once you have a drink with people, they get a bit, you know, a bit loose and stuff, but yeah, it's like community, very DIY. The Pier Hat as a venue has been so welcoming and helpful to us. Uh, Matty, the sound guy, is an absolute gentleman, um, always rushing around to make sure everything's sorted out for us. And uh, Oh, and the sofas, if you've never been, we've got oh. sofas. I always get there early to get that sofa, man. <laughs> always, always. And last question from Mickey, a big one. What's next for your writing careers? Oh, that's interesting. Um, you mentioned before you're working on a small collection that you want to put mm -hmm. out on like a small short run print thing. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to do something similar, but I think I'm, I'm really seriously now considering um, doing a couple of zines. Yeah. I really, Amazing. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it's like self-publishing, DIY, all that sort of thing. But it's all about, yeah. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about um, how I can merge art with my writing. And I think that's a really cool way of doing that. And experimenting mm -hmm. as well without spending too much money and not, not, not taking a big risk. Mm. Uh, and not getting doors shut on my face by publishers as well mm. um, and yeah I also on top of that want to write a one person show yes please amazing of course yeah like that's that's basically where I'm at as well obviously I'm still trying to write and finalise my um, parasocial one hour show 
um, and figure out the right audience for that, the right places for that to take it and so on. But I want to take the poems from that and put them into a limited run pamphlet um, where I've got a bit more ownership and a bit more control over where it gets distributed, how the finances work, flexibility in terms of what I'm charging people for it and when and you know seeing that um, return on investment and building my own career and brand in that way and I do want to work with the label I do want to work with the publisher to do that but it's just finding the right one um, at the right time because um, it is going to be a limited thing like I definitely don't want more than maybe 50 copies or so of it because it's the nature of the work I think that it, it, it's something that exists for certain people at a certain time and then we can move on and move forward and and not become stuck on things i think for a long time i got stuck on performing the same pieces and i'm trying to move away from that so having this limited edition thing to like sell and promote and then when it's gone it's gone and i've got to move on because you can't buy another one of them i think sounds really appealing to me like forcing yourself into that situation yeah i love that i love that yeah i think that's really interesting and it's a really it's a really beautiful way for work to Mm. exist like you say for a limited amount of people for a limited amount of time and then that's it I think that's great. Um, yeah, so next up, we're coming in with a question from Sherelle Ann, who you've, we've mentioned before. Mm. Shout out Sherelle. And she asks, what are your short-term and long-term goals? I think we've both covered short-term, so I'll be interested to look at long-term. Um, the questions lead on to each other quite nicely. Yeah. Uh, long. I mean, long-term is what we, we, we all want, what everyone wants, which is to eat off our writing. Um and make that a sustainable career and I think doing that through like many pathways I think is something that both me and you are very aligned on obviously we're, we're aligned on this show we're aligned on the CIC um, both seem like ways of, of building some income some finance um, to an audience of people that we are selecting that we are choosing to work with um, obviously a lot of poets go into working for banks or you know big corporate entities i don't think that's something i'm ever be interested in although you never know when the money comes calling i suppose (laughs) what's yours very similarly i would just like to be able to quit my day job and Mm -hmm. still and not worry about Mm -hmm. paying bills or having to work on a freelance basis you know i know certain people that do that and it's a very stressful life um and yeah, I would really, really like to make money from my art and make a sustainable living from from my art, from from art in general. So yeah, whether that be facilitating, whether that be um, you know bookshop, whatever. Um, yeah, living living off our art, I think, is the dream, and and that is going to obviously encompass many things in our yeah. industry of creativeness. So uh, yeah, that's it. I think you have to approach it like that and having multiple fingers in multiple pies is something that you just need to do to, to no one's making a living based on selling books. No one's, ba- you know, unless you go nuclear, like <laughs> and you just happen to blow at the right time. But yeah, you might be able to do that from facilitating workshops, from having a podcast, from doing a night, from doing that, blah, 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 blah. And adding it all together yeah. is something that intrigues me. Definitely. Next question from Blaze Hayats. Hayats? I'm not sure. Um, who was an attendee at Nata last time. Shout out, um, Blaze. A, brilli- a, a brilliant performer, yeah. Um, so I suppose this is the interesting part. She says, any advice for young people like me trying to get their work out there? Because 
um, Blaze was in college or Cheers, sixth form. In college, sixth form. And I suppose it's interesting is given what we've just been talking about, you know, I suppose we're we are in our early career, both of us. But you know, perhaps early mid or early late career or whatever you want, however you want to define that, because we both have connections and we've both been doing it for a little while. But yeah, what what do you think to Blaze's question? How can young people get their work out there? Uh, first of all, shout out Blaze, incredible, mm-hmm. incredible young writer and poet. Um, I would say, at least me, I, I would consider myself in the very early stages of my uh, career. Um, but the advice I would have for Blaze is to just keep writing and keep sending your work out there uh, and research uh, different publications. Start off with like magazines. Does Bolton College do a literary magazine? I'm not sure. Bolton Uni, though, sent stuff in there, you know. You want to start out small like that because you're just building yourself a portfolio, you're young, uh, you've got plenty of time, and you've got really, really strong writing in the bank. So definitely look around, look for places that you align yourself with, you know. Blaze, for instance, writes about um, her, her experience with autism, for instance. So look at publications that deal with that, little communities that are dotted around, that are, that are you know, doing stuff around that theme, and reach out, send them your stuff, um, and just get it out there as much as you possibly can. Build yourself a portfolio. Start going to more open mics if you can get to them. Uh, start performing and networking yourself. Um, and when you're as old as we are, then you'll be in a re- very, very good position to um, to yeah get some book deals and things like this. We've we've both said previously that we wish we started earlier. So Absolutely, that's a, yeah. That's a prime example of it. And uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Like. We're really lucky to have Manchester, you know, on our doorstep, contact theatre, home, um, like the Oxygen in Bolton. All of these institutions are crying out for people to come and work with them. So just trying to make yourself known, I guess, is is vital. And uh, yeah, just plugging on and expecting people to say no and yeah. not being disheartened. Because it's not you, it's just like... Exactly. Said, As we said uh, before, uh, it will not, it does not mean that... Um, your work is not good uh, because we're telling you right now it is. <laughs> but no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It just means that um, you know some people will engage with it and other people won't, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, we've got that boy Caesar coming through now with this question. Uh, shout out Caesar and congratulations mm-hmm. for joining the Poetry Place team. That is mm-hmm. one strong team. I'm really excited to see what they're going to be doing uh, over the next uh, few months and year. Caesar asks. Where do you see the scene going in the next year? The growth the past year has been mad. Great question. Um, something we've both talked about, I think, independently, um, not on microphone, but I, so I'd start up. I'd start by zooming out and and trying to acknowledge that poetry as a genre is having a moment. Yep. Um, on the national stage, in terms of its visibility it's uh, part of youth culture lots of music popping off that's rooted in spoken word getting radio one airplay internationally whatever your politics may be you know joe biden had a poet a young poet a girl in her 20s perform at his inauguration it, it's it's having a cultural moment it has been for the past like two or three years and for me that's where 
the scene is I think there's been a lot of discussion in Manchester about what a local scene can be and what it, what it should be and how we can form a part in that I think you just do shit man like you just could turn up apply for stuff make things happen keep doing the poetry place with all you lot are doing is incredible over there putting opportunities for people playing in these amazingly diverse like areas like barbershops and in yes. all these venues um just turning up and, and putting poetry in front of people's faces and seeing what happens but yeah the poetry scene can be huge and it can be tiny and that depends entirely on what you bring to it if you bring an open mind and a the ability to sort of look at things and see your place in it then i think you're gonna have success as you have been doing caesar and if you choose to sort of come at it with aggression or whatever then you're gonna have obstacles <laughs> absolutely i agree 100 percent um poetry is having a moment um like worldwide as you mentioned mm. biden's thing also like women's marches are now like mm. led by poets and 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 our poems um and and all these other things as well uh, but it is worldwide worldwide mm. um but as, where do I see it going in the next year? I just see it blowing up even more. I see people becoming more uh, open to it. I think mm -hmm. I still think there are lots of misconceptions mm -hmm. um, about it, but it's definitely opening up that conversation, that discourse, uh, that poetry isn't what it used to be. It's a lot. But like, as, as our previous guest as well said, Ben Wilkinson, poetry is not just one thing. It's mm. so much more. Poetry is a universe of things. It's 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 a galaxy of things, um, and I just see it blowing up. Uh, and I, I'm I'm leaning away from the term scene more and more mm -hmm, uh, as mm -hmm. we converse okay. with different people. I think that term that discourse can be a little bit limited, uh, and it can get quite um, yeah limiting. I would say is a, is the correct word for that. So. But I mean, the amount of talented people that you've come through to Nata or I've seen at events the Northern Poets have put on outside of Manchester, but very much within Greater Manchester or within the Northwest, people have access problems. And that relates back to what we were saying earlier about the underrepresented poets having issues with reaching a wider audience. The term scene can be super like constricted in terms of you think of the same 10, 15 people that have live in the city centre and have access and they're great and that's not I'm not saying that yeah, those yeah, people yeah. don't no, I agree. places but what I am saying is that you got to check yourself and your internal biases and like look at who's going where and what you're going to see we've had in Manchester an absolute explosion over the past year I think it's a lot of things to do with people um, coming out of lockdown wanting to put something on maybe having gotten into poetry over the over that time or, or or missing it or whatever graduating uni and wanting to do a new thing loads of events have popped up and there's it, it's like there's so much to choose from make sure that you are choosing a diverse range of that and seeing all the talent that this city and this country has to offer go outside of manchester go to liverpool yeah. go to york go to wherever um you know there's every stone you unturn will deliver another incredible poet i want to go and do like a residency thing and just chill out in london for a bit and go and see all their different scenes not even perform just see them yeah because i know for a fact that what when i see someone and it's only happened i think it's happened like four or five times 
you were one of them and you see someone for the first time and you go that's levels and i need to i need to go and i need to work on my craft and i feel like i'm kind of at that point now where i'm like i want to see something yeah. that i haven't seen for a bit yeah and it's not to say that the people you see all the time don't affect you in that way but you get used to them you know yeah 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 absolutely I can't agree Gabriel more. Gabriel and Sherelle, both of those people have had that impact on me of just walking oh, away. Oh, man. The first, time I I heard the first up. time I heard Gabriel read the, the, his Africa poem, mm. oh, my God, yeah. Mm. It was like levels. I need to go home and work on my shit because mm. if this is what's going on out here, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add on that other than, the, other than, other than yeah, uh, what I mean by scene become, becomes limiting is that if you think of the Manchester scene now, internally, even if it's if it, mm-hmm. even if it is subconsciously, mm-hmm. you're gonna be thinking of certain nights and certain people, and mm-hmm. that's not to take anything away from those nights or those people, but there's so much more out there as well. Like mm-hmm. you know, immerse yourself in it. You only have to like go to Bury, which is mm-hmm. still Greater Manchester, yeah, and it's sort of like 20 minutes out of town, and they've got two or three nights there that I've never mm-hmm. got to yet. I want to, uh, you know, you go down to Leeds, they've got a whole scene out there and, you know, there's so much. Yeah, the Leeds like, scene's amazing, actually. Yeah, Shout out to Leeds yeah, Poetry yeah, Festival yeah. last year and Caitlin McKenna and everyone down, doing bits over there. Know, yeah, yeah absolute, down. absolute scenes out there. There's so um, much to see, yeah. Just to quickly, because we're not a poetry podcast, we're, no. a, we're a writing podcast, but I think it's worth keeping tabs on the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, the strikes that are going on over there solidarity with them um and i don't remember uh, people remember the last time there was a writer's strike um in hollywood 2007 you know projects were delayed projects were cancelled tv the landscape changed completely um and lots of reality shows came up and whatever your thoughts on that might be it's not for me i'd much rather watch scripted content and high quality scripted content so the quicker that can be resolved and the unions can get what they're after, really important. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and the, and the sad thing is that you say reality, but mm. quote-unquote, because a lot mm. of that shit is also scripted uh, mm. for entertainment and stuff, mm. and it's like, yeah. If you're into that, it's fine. I know, like, I speak to a lot of people who say, like, oh, it's my guilty pleasure, it makes me mm. feel better about my own life when I see... That's absolutely fine, you know, no shade, uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not. Can I ask uh, you a question off, off the back of that? Do you, yeah. do you believe in guilty pleasure? Do you have a guilty pleasure? Uh, in any form of media? That's a good one. Uh, I, if, if, off the top of my head, I would say like true mm. crime is my guilty pleasure. Like the other mm. day I felt so rubbish. I came home, home, from, home from work sick three hours early and I just felt absolutely rubbish. And all I wanted is to get on the couch, wrap myself up in a blanket and put true crime on. And I was sat there and I was, this guy was talking about a woman who was like brutally murdered <laughs> and stuff. And like, and I was just like, ah, I'm at peace. I love this. And it's not that I love the crime or the bad things <laughs> that have happened. You know, no, it's not that. It's, but I was just yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah, at yeah. peace. I was like, I, I am actually enjoying myself laying on the couch and, and, and listening to true crime. Yeah, I don't know. I just, mm. yeah, if I had to pick a guilty pleasure, it would be true but do crime. You, but would you define that as a, as a, as a guilty pleasure? Because I think people do, some people might, some people no, might. I'm I don't know. curious about um, your take on it. I don't know, because guilty pleasure implies that you shouldn't really be... Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't really be immersing yourself in that, but I don't see anything wrong with watching loads of true crime. I know many people who do it. And it's like, it's a niche thing, isn't it? Like, mm. 
um, you know, I watch a couple of YouTubers like that do true crime, and I, oh, I enjoy that. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I know yeah. Mickey watches one of them, which is Bayless Sarian, yeah. and and yeah. and I I don't wear makeup. If you know me, you've never seen me in a in a in a like <laughs> dusting of makeup, let's say, ever. Um, but Bailey Sarian tells us true crime stories while she does makeup, and I find that so soothing. I don't know what and it is. I think maybe it's no, the it, artistic that is thing scripted of it as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's research. It's scripted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It a lot of work goes into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watch another girl, like a Yorkshire lass called Eleanor O'Neill, and she does, mm. and uh, and she does true crime and stuff. And I just, and yeah, I just love it. Yeah, I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure. I wouldn't say so because I don't see anything wrong with that. Mm. Mm, interesting. I find it fascinating. Last question then, um, Tonka Bell. Shout out Tonka Shout Bell out. headline in the next Switchblade, which is this Sunday, the 21st. So come down uh, to see Tonks and an amazing lineup. Uh, Tonks asks, do you think political poetry should get more acknowledgement rather than condemnation? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> I do, I do. I think, uh, I think that some of the best poetry, the, the poetry that I engage with, I'm not saying it's better than other types of poetry, but I think yeah. some of the poetry that I find the best poetry for me, the one that I engage with the most, are politi is political poetry. Yeah. It's, I think poetry is a great, a fantastic medium to be political um, mm -hmm. because I think it, people, will, people will listen and engage and it's like you're telling a story and it's in verse, but it's, I think it, yeah, I think it makes people listen and I think it's a yep. great medium for that. And it's not, it's not too in your face. It's not like a, it's almost like a peaceful protest, isn't it? Like a, po a, a, a mm. political poem. Poetry is protest. Yeah, Poetry absolutely. Protest. Yeah, I, yeah, think yeah, so. yeah. I think so. To answer Tonka Bell's question. Yes. I believe you should get more acknowledgement and it, I don't see why you should be condemned at all. I completely agree. I concur. <laughs> I think it's hard to do well sometimes, but I, I yep. completely agree with you. That brings us to the end, guys. That's Just a quick shout out there, actually. Tonka has yep. got a great poem about American uh, American gun laws. Mm. You know? Okay. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. That, that is a political poem, and it's a great Absolutely. poem. And I remember hearing it for the first time and, and thinking about it a little bit, mm. a bit, a little bit more deeply because of that, you know? Um, shout out yeah, yeah big so up, shout man. out to Tonka and, uh, hopefully they do it on Sunday yeah exactly <laughs> absolutely right well that brings us to the end of our first Q&A special we've managed to talk for nearly an hour oh amazing um, which I didn't think this was going to be such a long episode but no. thanks guys thank you to everyone who, who sent in a question um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you about that yeah me too thank you everyone for your uh, uh, insightful questions I, we hope we have answered them for you uh, in a satisfactory manner uh, and that you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Yes. So please do come on down to Switchblade this Sunday at the Pier Hats. Um, the 21st, 7pm doors, uh, free or donation tickets available in the Switchblade Society Instagram bio. And uh, we'll see you on Monday where we'll be back. Yes, we'll see you then. And thank you and good night. Have a good week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.